0: Welcome to Rock and Ice's My Epic Podcast, presented by Outdoor Research. I'm Daniel Tachik. As you already know, Outdoor Research has been at the forefront of mountain equipment innovation since 1981. Their products have shown them to be committed to improving the climber and alpinist's experience with awesome gear, from jackets to gaiters to bivy sacks. It's not about summits for OR. It's not about finish lines or sends. It's the journey. So if you've got a journey in the near future, check them out. You won't regret it. We're back again with a special episode with the help of Outdoor Research. This time we have Niall Grimes, an Irish climbing legend narrating an article from his Lines of Weakness column that first appeared in issue 219 of Rock and Ice. He retells his interesting adventure to Germany to confront old ethics, knotted slings, and curious locals. All right. Here we go.
1: We stood outside a remarkable door made from rough, dark wood, strapped in black iron. It was carved like a church door, and dreads of ivy grew about it. It had three big keyholes and looked unbreakable. The door lay at the shadowed end of a gnarled alleyway, invisible from the street, but just where the innkeeper had told us. As I stared at it, I felt intoxicated by the liquor we had just drunk. We stood, unsure of ourselves. Something tells me this is the one, Brother Grimm. On you go. Ansel had taken to calling me Brother Grimm in this holiday. He could tell I didn't like it. I didn't want to knock. I wanted to leave. But I rapped. (coughs) The abruptness of the sound startled me and I immediately hoped no one would answer. My comrade Ansel and I were in one of the world's most profoundly historical climbing areas. The Elbstanstein Gebirge flanks Europe's mighty river Elbe as it passes through its German leg. As the old river swaggered through sandstone terrain, it hewed a unique landscape, leaving an army of pinnacles and towers along the massifs from which they were cleft. These rocks have provided one hundred and fifty years of climbing, and they rise in parallel thousands, huge boners to the skill and nerve of the man who first scaled them. The American climber, Oliver Perry Smith and his friends, these hell bent crackpots took nature on full bore and sought to tame it the way they tame Broncos. Such a plomb. five nine with huge runouts in nineteen oh nine. Later, in the 1970s, a local climber, Bernd Arnold, pushed it out even further and produced what may have been the hardest pitches in the world at the time. These performances are all the more surprising when you take the area's ethic into account. From the start, any metal protection was verboten. No pegs, no nuts or cams. Only nuts jammed into fissures were allowed. Boats were used but no closer than five metres apart, further if possible. Chalk was banned before it was even invented. Many people climbed, mainly barefoot. The incredible, staunch ethics remain. So there you are. It's a sort of place you should have the sense not to go to. On a May afternoon, Ansel and I arrived in the area, ready for some ethical escapades. Get the knotted slings ready, Ansel. Let's get medieval. It's lucky we didn't have a plan, because things wouldn't have followed it. We had bought the guidebook from a local climbing shop, and, as a means of getting lost, the book had few peers in my experience. It was very thick, and made of very thin paper. It could have been the Gideon guidebook. If someone told me that it detailed a million routes, I wouldn't have been surprised. Huge amounts of Germany were covered, one small map near the start. On the first day we took it in hand and wandered off towards the trees, trying to find a cliff we would selected. Some time and much walking passed. We always had the sense of the cliff looming just above us, beyond the canopy of ancient carnivorous forest. The day marched on, and in time, we noticed the sun's rays were slanting low through the branches. The darkening woods seemed spooky, and we were a bit lost. We legged it on our best bearing, and were glad to pop out by an old inn. A man in a white apron greeted us. Guten Tag! Zweig beer, mein Herr, I demanded, and we slaked the day's toil away with golden German lager. Visit us, the innkeeper asked. I hope you have a good day in the forest, Not really, sir, I said. We mainly just wandered around lost. We were looking for the climbing, I said, showing him our book. Ah! He sat down and pointed out where we were on the map, where we'd come from, and how to get to the cliff we wanted to find. It was very helpful, and it all made sense. We were his last customers, and as we were packing up our things, he gave us two glasses of thick red liquor. Special wine, On my house. Prost. Ah, danke. Prost. We clinked, drank, and left. Next day, armed with our knowledge, we returned and found the cliff. However, here the guidebook stepped its confusion up a gear. On a page no bigger than a Sierra Blair Coil outfit was a top-down topple of a complex, multi-layered tower system Containing the location of no less than three hundred and twenty four climbs. I looked at Ansel in confusion. What about the descriptions, Brother Grimm? I chose one at random and read it out. Ringpabel XR Brand Arnold Gaylam sixteen six eighty five Dash seven M dot dot Open quotation marks. Osteris. Close quotation marks. Überh. Wand. Open brackets. Capital R. Close brackets. zoo. Two. Capital R. Weiter. Rechtigs. So. Three. Capital R. U. Wand linksisch. Open brackets. Four dot. Capital R. Close brackets. Zu. Five. Open brackets. Capital R. Mulden. Zu. Gr abs, comma, li, rin, open brackets, seven, capital R, close brackets, zu feiler auf Terrasse, Birkenriss, ZG. What? Having no idea of what route we were on, we chose an easy-looking arete. Ansel set off with a bunch of quickdraws and a dozen knotted slings, all the same size and arrived in the summit without incident. I followed. The climb had been easy, but mundane, although the scene from the summit was breathtaking. The world stretched away, carpeted in forest, as far as one could see. i had never seen so many trees. It must have stretched to the Czech, to Romania, to Hungary, to Transylvania. I imagined bears and wolves and tribes of undiscovered men, all lost within it. We rapped off, mesmerized. A huge, black, steep wall beckoned. I set off in it, heading for a bolt I had spotted at forty feet. The wall was in the sun, and my chalkless hands greased around in the dark stone. I passed stopper friendly slots and cracks, but they rejected my slung knots out of hand. I had no sense of where I was going. And the bolt seemed to be getting no closer. Eventually, the stress became too much, and I down climbed timidly. I sat at the, at the base in a grump. I sat at the base in a grump, and eventually we strolled homewards via, once more, the inn, some beer, and a glass of special wine. Prost. Next day, once more we tried and failed to squeeze some information from the book. We had hoped to meet other climbers and ask for help. Though from time to time I thought I heard voices or scurrying in the undergrowth, no one would appear. It was as if the old ethics had sucked the lifeblood out of the climbing scene and left it dead. But no worry, I was determined to get up the black wall. I tied in looked around, and from my rucksack pulled a brimful chalk bag. Ansel and I looked at each other, conspiratorially. If you see someone coming, shout, Armageddon, I told Ansel. I set off, feeling more secure with chalky hands now, aiming for what looked like a bolt at forty feet. When I passed one of the cracks I'd seen the day before, I pulled a metal stopper from my trouser pocket, and slotted it in happily. My action felt incredibly naughty. I approached the boat, a huge, ancient ring of a thing, feeling chalked, protected and confident. I took a quick draw and clipped it in, and no sooner had it done than all my confidence disappeared. I felt woozy. Above me was a sea of black rock. Where was the next boat? Where did the route go from here? I felt cold and alone. I felt that I didn't belong here all of a sudden, and we would better get away from that wall. It had turned hostile. I threaded the bolt and wrapped off. We packed up and scurried down through the darkening woods, relieved to emerge at the inn. Zwei beer, mein Herr. We felt defeated and deflated. We drank more beer, then more, till we both felt drunk. We hinted at our misfortunes to the barman. We don't understand the climbing here. No? Well, perhaps there is someone who can help. He knows many answers about these areas. I will show you where he lives. He penciled in the back of a beer mat the directions to a house. He pressed two of the large red drafts into our hands as usual and bid us on our way. From the far side of the door came the sound of sliding metal catches. The door creaked open, revealing a man dressed in black. He had long curling hair, bald on top, a biker moustache, a black skull t-shirt, a studded leather belt and, oddly, big bedroom slippers that looked like bear's feet. There was a strong whiff of heavy metal about him, and he reminded me of Lemmy from the band Motorhead. Ja. Yeah. Kletterer. I said, pointing at myself. Climber. Und? You are familiar with the cliffs here. Ja, yeah, he nodded defiantly. The innkeeper said you might have some answers, I replied, holding up our guidebook like a flag of surrender, then wriggling it to add some theatre to the explanation. He eyed me, the book, and Ansel, then with a flutter of his hand, beckoned us into the sepulchral interior of his home. I crouched along a corridor, and stood up again, in a marvellous, curious room, quite dark, despite the brightness outside. It seemed like a museum. To what? I don't know. There were obvious climbing artefacts, many photos of old-timers on the rocks, oval-shaped carabiners, loops of wedding, twists of old rope. Long-handled hammers and lengthy metal spikes. But other things beside: glass jars and flasks. Some contained pickled lumps. A bearskin. A leather collar with spikes radiating. Chains. Lots of old leather-bound volumes. Religious icons. A stuffed hand. Ah, I see you're a historian, I said. No, he corrected. I'm a woodcutter. He lifted from behind his desk a huge axe and held it in both hands. It was a heavy, powerful-looking tool and the light of a small lamp on the wall glinted off its blade. It felt like an awkward moment, so to move the visit along, I pointed at one of his climbing photos. Quite a technique those boys had! The image showed three men lashed to a rock face. One was bailed to a boat Another stood barefoot on the Belier's shoulders, and a third balanced on him again. One foot was on his shoulder, the other was on his head. He was two inches short of a joke, and he looked about his step two-footed under the crown of his partner's head to attain it. The Enterprise had the whiff of multiple deaths about it. it "'Looks a bit dangerous to me,' Ansel said. "'Ach!' Lemmy spat. "'These days everyone avoids danger.' They feared death. It's not the old way. These men, he pointed at the photo, these men would die for what they held true. They had beliefs. Now people only have wants. He's taking this a bit seriously, I thought. In the awkward silence, he put the axe away behind his desk. Forgive me, how can I help you? I held the guidebook, determined not to say anything to upset him further. But Ansel interjected. We want to work out where we are in this stupid book. It's completely impossible to find anything unless you're some sort of codebreaker. It's been written by an idiot. I think the author much wants no one to come, and if they do happen to come, then the last thing they want them to do is enjoy themselves. All the visitors probably get on the wrong route and fall off and kill themselves. It's no wonder we don't meet anyone. It's not exactly a tourist brochure, is it? Nice, Ansel. And you think popularity is everything? What about tradition? I love tradition, I piped up. But think how nice tradition would be, with a few extra bolts, a bright select guide to the area with good maps and detailed photo topples, perhaps an indication of how scary or sustained something is, along with the suggested rack. That would really open the area up. No! Not more people! Lemmy snarled in frustration. Then I noticed a funny thing. In common with lots of balding men, with long hair, he had a great hairy body. As he lost his temper in his front room, I'm sure I noticed the hair getting longer. Tufts of it bulged under his T-shirt. I have seen it. Westerners come here. Sport climbers. Frank and French. They see our cliffs and they like them. They see our ethics and they fear them. Disrespect them. He waved his arms and turned his angry eyes towards the ceiling the hair was starting to tumble from the collar of his t-shirt and even more disturbing something had popped out from the back of his stonewashed jeans a brown furry point it grew upwards from the waist soon reaching the middle of his back it was a tail lemmy had a fucking tail foreigners will come and they will change things they will take away the adventure they will destroy the rock i love Globs of spit were from his teeth. They will use chalk and the unknown will disappear forever. He held his hands in the air, beseeching the spirits. They were very big hands. I looked under my own hands. I'd forgotten to clean off the chalk and was lingering around my fingernails. Oh, look at the time, I said. Come on, Ansel, we better be getting back. Armageddon. I dashed to the door and had just managed to get my chalky hands around the handle when a huge furry claw covered it stopping me do i see something white on your hands i felt his hot breath on the back of my neck and turned nervously around my my lemmy what big teeth you have two hundred feet up the alleyway a barman was tidying tables in the last of the evening sun. Then he heard it. A long, agonised scream. Then another. And then silence. He shuddered. He knew it was wrong, that he should not have any part in this, and it would need to end sometime. But still, he thought, traditions are traditions. And tonight, they will be drinking special vine.
0: If you liked Niall Grimes and want to hear more of his stories, and more importantly, his Irish accent, check out his podcast, Jam Crack. I'd like to thank Noisy Waters for the music. Thanks for listening, and again, thanks for Outdoor Research for helping us bring these stories to life.